Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. going to see the senior pastor come out in a wheelchair. Uh, this time last year uh, started, uh, there was a rather large growth on the back of my uh, left, just above the knee. It turned out to be a seven by five inch tumor. And through a series of seven different operations uh, and seven months in a rehab or hospital, uh, finally there's nothing they could do, but they needed to take the leg. So uh, I am endeavoring to go back to what normal is for me. And that means I can, uh, for the most part, get myself dressed. I get to shower. I can go up and down the stairs on my chair. Although my grandsons say it doesn't go fast enough. They want something to <laughs> uh, Only those two. It's too slow, Grandpa, it's too slow. Can't you, isn't there another notch? No, there isn't, guys. But, uh, and uh, this past week, uh, I've had two those prosthetic legs things. One was uh, the loner that they give you to start to shape your leg, and the second one is the one they made specifically for me. And I'll share a little more about it later, but I just want you to know, uh, we're not some crazy cult and starting a wheelchair theology. And uh, Pastor Mercedes is not here because she is carrying her first baby. Every doctor ever said she will never get pregnant. Fertility specialists said no. Thousands of dollars spent, and they said no. Well, the little guy will be here in mid-May, and they're wrong. All tests show the baby and mama are fine, but she is confined to bed rest to get through this time. And I guess uh, if you can give me a year off because of what I went through, you certainly can for the joy that's set before her. And for grandma and grandpa to hold the little guy. And the obvious question is, what's his name? Nobody but Colin Mercedes know, and you're not gonna know until the baby's born. So that's the way that is. <laughs> Anyhow. We do all kinds of stuff, and since moving from 60th and L Street, the old Ryan High School, uh, that was 27 acres of land and 144,000 square feet of buildings. We've had up to seven churches on the property. Uh, we use it to, to break down walls between the African-American church in Omaha and the Hispanic church and the Anglo, and just do whatever we can to partner for the good of the kingdom. And... Uh, so when we left, we didn't have a place to go until we found this place. And this place has become just where the family can get together and hang out. And that's all church is. You're warriors and your family. When that's the terminology when you read and it says brethren, you're family, but you're also warriors. They would call the, going into battle brethren. They're all talking. It's the same group, just like the, the Marines or whatever. They're the same group and they're sort of family. So uh, we have not missed a Saturday in uh, feeding hundreds downtown for, gosh, that'll be 12 years now, every Saturday. Let me read you this. This is from someone who has come down there and gotten food on Saturday. 
Again, it can be hot, it can be cold, it can be rainy, it can be snowy. We have been there every week. And it says, we thank you so much for your kind work and diligence. Not only are you, uh, your efforts uh, regular, but we have never heard one complaint by one of your volunteers ever. That's someone who's living on the streets wrote us a card. She did say, not everyone out here in their circumstances are because of bad habits or vices. We don't smoke, we don't do drugs, uh, we've not been arrested. We just had our, I'm gonna paraphrase, we had our identity stolen and they took our houses, our savings, they took everything. And we find ourselves here. And so she wrote that, said thank you for your diligence and your effort, but also thank you that our people do serve one another with joy and gladness. You know, you get the grump off your face and just have a good time. And you never know who you're going to get a chance to minister to, who you're going to get a chance to reach out to. Okay. Now, I'll pre-up my message with this. Remember when I get to it that I said to the Lord when all this started, and I'm going to be in front of doctors and residents and weekend nurses and whatever. I've been in, gosh, three, two, let's see, two hospitals, four rehab units. Just what you did. I told the Lord, I'm not going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on you. You give me whoever I can witness to, whoever I can share the love of Jesus Christ to. I'm not going to be churchy and religious and, oh, pastor and all that. No, I'm just going to be Jim because that's who I is. But you know what? I'm going to take every opportunity to share Jesus. When I got nurses coming at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, could I just talk to you about my marriage for a moment? Evidently, the word gets out. I was named their favorite patient. And I'm at University Hospital, and this oh, dear old lady is trying to walk and with a walker, and she's just struggling. I mean, just to get through, or I could see her in my doorway took a long time. She went a little further, and she went back. And I asked the nurse, I said, uh, does she have any family? Anybody? anybody? Said, Nobody comes to see her. Nobody. So my sister had given me a big flower pot that was gorgeous with flowers and all that stuff, and I'm not going to take it with me to a rehab unit and stuff. So I had the nurse give it to her. I don't know how long it took her to get out of bed and get that walker, but she walked into my room and said, thank you. It meant that much to her. And that's what I'm talking about. You never know who you touch, how you touch them, but if you don't try, it doesn't happen. Former member of our church, Jumped in and love Omaha yesterday, went down on the streets and helped. They just wanted to help because we, whether it be children's hospital or on the streets or whatever else we do, we have a good time. Amen? And believe me, when someone who lives on the streets goes to this much effort, it means a lot to them. We're going to get into today's scriptures and for the message. Now, I can... Get up there and, yay, glory, and, and preach and, and loud and shout. Nancy Orff, you're here, for, haven't seen you in years. She lives in Iowa. When the Bible says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, her and her husband, Mike, that is a family. They are one of the most awesome families to our church we've ever had. 
And uh, you know I can preach like that if I need to, okay? And you're going to have to if you're preaching uh, Benin City, Nigeria with no loudspeaker and you've got 12,000 people you've got to reach. You're going to raise your voice and you're going to go after it. But this has been a pastor teaching. There's a five-fold ministry, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, the pastor, and the teacher. The teacher is line upon line making sure that everybody has it. The preacher is spirit-inspired revelation and giving to you. For instance, one of the greatest things we're going to talk about, trust and love and an enemy today. I had the privilege... I have six grand boys, one, in, one on the way, the sixth one is on the way, but I had the privilege of teaching for them how to swim. They would come over to our house after music practice on Thursday night, on Friday I'd take them to Prairie Life and we'd swim. It was a big deal. But I ta taught Connor and James, Xavier and Zion. The reason I'm saying that is they love their grandpa and they know how much their grandpa loves them. So when they're standing there, and they're going to go out in the water, and it's not sure under their feet, and they've never done this before. I would say some things to them. It reminds me of having to walk with the new leg, that the balance situation is like walking and hoping that something's there. It's, it's really strange because you don't think about walking. Now I have to think about a step, okay? So I get the boys in the water, and I can think particularly of Zion and James, the two marks. Uh, two kids, Xavier and Zion, and then Connor and James on James's kids. And they're the younger ones, and they're standing there on the steps, and they're shaking. They're afraid, they're, they're afraid of the water. And I say this to them, guys, each one, Zion, do you think Grandpa loves you? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Have I ever lied to you? No. Then I'm going to tell you. I will always be here to teach you to swim. You will never, ever, ever go under. I will always be here. And he jumped off the ledge and into my arms because he trusted what was being said by someone he knows loves him. The thing about faith is you have to believe that God loves us. He's not doing anything bad to anybody to make them good little troopers. You, you know, I just get started because I had to tear into a guy one time because he told me that the miscarriage or the stillborn birth that we had, that that was God teaching me something. And I, they had to hold me back. Five guys had to hold me back. Uh, if you told me my, heavenly or my earthly father, James McGaffin Jr., who's the best man at my wedding because he's the best man, killed my baby to teach me something, I would just beat the snot out of you. Anybody know how, how that feeling? And so tr trust and faith is you have to believe that God loves you. And when he gives you an instruction in the word, you can believe it. And if you believe it, then you will act on it. If I tell you, Too many testimonies, too many stories. But if I tell you something, I'll get it done. If I say I'll be there, I'll be there. Same as you. When God says, you're healed by my son's stripes, he's not lying. 
When it says, speak into your mountain, that's like telling Zion, jump, buddy. If you trust him and you love him, and we have such an incredible example in Scripture, not, I just read my Bible. No, how about read it, understand it, study it, and as it says in Joshua 1, meditate. Chew on it over and over again until you understand it, until it becomes part of how you respond. Okay? I cannot tell you how many times my wife has tried to teach me to use my phone and all the different apps that are on the phone. But I have to continue to use it to integrate it into my life because if you tell me once and then two weeks later, you said what? How do you do that? Anybody? Okay. So you have to not just, like in school, study for a quarterly exam, a chapter test, and then once that's over, you're done. English class, this one's on adverbs, this one's on adjectives. I'm not going to think about that again. But I got an A on the test, then move on to other stuff. But putting it into my life that this is how I do stuff, this is why I do it, and believing for the results of the seeds that I plant is a big deal. And my goal today here is to ask that the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, will teach us all how to apply the truths I'm about to share in a way that you can put it to use daily. I am not religious. I can't stand that stuff. But I want to be taught something I can win with this week. Lord, teach me how to love my wife. She married me. She must love me, and I loved her enough to marry her. But we didn't have the, what God said we could have. We had a good marriage, but we had a lot of the, what the world's values and culture would be in marriage. And I want, Lord, how can I love my wife? The, I have to do it according to your word. I have, that has to become a picture in me to be able to, how do I love my enemies? Who my problem in junior high and high school is I'd rather swing first. Hard for you to believe, I understand that. Now I have to walk in love with people that are cursing me, spitting on me, and they have stolen from me and lied. To me, that's the hardest, the hardest thing, is that when someone lie on me, I don't mind you confront me, we can disagree all you want, but don't lie on me. I'll own my words. I won't back up, but don't lie on me. Well, Pastor Jim said this, Pastor Jim said this. Never do that, but come to my face. Talk to me. Amen? Is that understand? So you have to have, and I'm just a man, and my wife is just a woman and all that stuff, but God doesn't change his word, and he's not fickle, and he's not mad at us. So I need to learn... I need to know what he knows, and I need to learn to act like he acts so that I can have what he says I can have. Let's go to Proverbs 22. And we're going to go to verse 17. God's word is truth and light. The Apostle John says it's the light. And I've lived in darkness. I've lived in, you know, my culture and grew up with race riots in Omaha. I grew up with all kinds of weird stuff. I had friends that got drunk in high school and died. And I, I was just in the culture. But God's word has to be wisdom to me and cause me to change 
how I respond. 22, verse 17. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified. The others should be on the board, but this is Amplified. Listen, consent, means you're willing, and submit, give in to, to the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. I have to apply my mind to God's knowledge to handle a situation, to raise my kids with supernatural parenting rather than, although my mom and dad were great parents, uh, I need God's help on this one, big time, okay? Verse 18, for it will be pleasant if you keep them in your mind, the words. It'll be pleasant. I love pleasant rather than it stinks, okay? And it says, believing them, your lips will be accustomed to confessing them. You begin to sound a lot like. I can tell you've been with so and so. How is that? Because you take on mannerisms, gestures, wording. Okay. My wife can do a, a, a country hick voice that I can't do, but she can do it great. And if you hang around with her, some of her friends have learned the language of hick. <laughs> because they hung around with it and they just entered in and went to hickdom. Okay, now we're going to talk about faith takes corresponding words. If I believe that, my words will say the same thing. It'll be consistent. Okay, then it'll take corresponding actions. If I believe that, then I'll do that. Now I have three grown adult sons, but when they're growing up, high schoolers and stuff, if I gave each one of them, they could drive, a chore. I want you to take this cash, I want you to get in your car and drive to LA and give it to your sister and come back, and I gave him the map and the money, okay? Micah, the oldest, would be telling me how he has a better route. He'd be arguing with me right off the bat about, I have a better idea. James would take off, follow it, and by Denver, he's pulled over and met 15 new people making friends. Mark would take it, go there, and come back, and you can go to the bank. He won't be a minute late. He'll be right there. Three different personalities. I count on Mark in that area because I know if he says he'll do it, it'll get done. Do you have people of that in your life? You got to have them. Corresponding actions to release your faith, to release it. You might have faith inside, but it, you release it when you get in a plane. You have faith that plane's not going down the wrong way. That's just worldly faith. Faith in God's word is, I, as it says in Hebrews, I can't see it, but I have the title deed of it in my hand, Hebrews 11.1. 1. The evidence of things I don't see yet, but because of God's promise, his word, I believe I have it in my hand. And that's faith. So we're going to talk about three groups, three guys. One's the centurion, one's Jairus, and one's the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to skate through them. But Matthew 8, 5 is a centurion, Roman soldier with at least 100 people, soldiers underneath him. The Jews hate them, and normally the, the Romans hate them, but this guy was uh, kind to the Jews. He didn't oppress them, and the Jewish leaders knew it. But the centurion had a servant who was dying, and he says to Jesus, just speak, Jesus, I'll come, I'll, I'll come pray for him. He said, no, 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 no. It was not right for a rabbi to go into a Roman's logic that break all the law rules. 
And Jesus said, I, he didn't care. I'll go. And uh, he said, no, 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 no. Just speak the word only. Now, this man has people, he says, come, the soldiers come. Go, they go. He understands authority. He watched Jesus because they all, he always had thousands around him. They could have a riot at any time, and the Romans had to pay attention to that. Just like they had rabbis and Pharisees trying to catch Jesus in wrong teachings all around it, just on the fringe. So he's seen what Jesus can do. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm a man under authority. You just speak the word. He saw that Jesus' words had authority to bring healing and deliverance to demon-possessed people and people with all kinds of sicknesses and disease. His words carried it. So he said, no, you don't have to come. Just... Now, Jesus says something that is absolutely insulting to the entire, don't know how many people caught it, but the scribes and Pharisees caught it because they're trying to catch him in false doctrine. He said, I've not seen so great, crazy faith, great faith, in all of Israel. Why is that such an insult? Because the great faith should have been in Israel. A Roman is having it, and he hasn't found any Jew that has the heritage for it walking in it. So just because you have a heritage doesn't mean you walk in the reality of that faith. You have to hear it, confess it, and walk in it. Amen? Okay, the next one is in Mark 5 and Luke 8. It's the same story. Mark 5 says it one way, it's Jairus, a ruler in the synagogue. Now this is Capernaum. How many of you know if you lived in Bellevue, everybody knows, everybody knows everybody in Bellevue? On Friday night, you're making Maine down the main street. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The synagogue is the center of the city. Everything revolves around the church, if you will. And this is Jairus, one of the key leaders of the, the church. Okay? And he knows who Jesus is, but his daughter is near death. And rather be concerned about his career reputation, he wants his daughter to live. And he says this to him, master, which is a big word for him to say, because he is the ruler, and Jesus is a rabbi, but he is the ruler, and he called him master. Come lay your hands in the book of Luke, it doesn't say, he said, just come to my home. But Mark says, lay your hands to get believers who say Jesus is the Lord of their life, to get their hands on other people to pray for them. If, if we're so uncomfortable, so, so don't want to get involved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But in Hebrews chapter 6, it says the basic fundamentals of our faith Name's baptism. Well, yeah, everybody needs to be baptized. And the laying on of hands. Basic Christianity is that every believer should be able to lay hands on someone. As it says in James, lay hands on the sick, they will recover. It doesn't say you have to preach like somebody on TV. You don't have to talk King James stuff. Yay, though, verily. No, it doesn't say you have to say a word. You might, but it doesn't say you have to. But I'm a believer. I cannot tell you the hundreds of times I have. Deborah will watch me as soon as the situation comes up. She knows exactly where I'm going, what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake hands or pat them on the back, but I'm going to get my hands on that person and pray for them because I am a believer. My hands go on. They get well. And that healed a lady at Bucky's, now Casey's, on 160th and Center Street who was really sick and couldn't afford to stay home because she needed the money. And I laid hands on her right then. I was back two hours later and she was well. 
just well. That's everyday Christianity. That's not church show-off stuff. That's just everyday. To have my son, Mike and James were messing around downstairs, and James got hurt. You can hear, how many of you can always hear your kids cry? You can be in a room with a thousand kids, but if it's your kid, you can always hear them. James starts crying, and we're in their bedroom, sitting on the bed. Mark's there with us, and, and I said, well, I'm going to go down and pray for James. And Mark's just a little kid. says, no, Dad, I got this one. I'll go do it. Mark went down and prayed for him. He's grown up in a household where laying hands on and praying is the norm. And I want to bring to the church from the youngest on... I, Mercedes would pray for mannequins at Yonkers for them to grow arms. She's four years old. And I went to stop her. And the Lord said, don't stop her. Don't ever stop her from praying. And I realized that if I had pulled her back by seven or eight in the church, if you needed prayer from sickness, you go to Mercedes. People got healed instantly by this little girl. Oh, she's not old enough. She hasn't gone to the age. It doesn't say that. It just says, a believer, I is one. Whosoever's. And remember, if you're not a whosoever, you're a whatsoever. I'd rather be the whosoever believes. Amen? So Jairus says, come lay your hands. So it's a big deal. He sees that when Jesus put his hands on people, miracles happened. And it should happen to you. Now, the way you train for that is by laying hands on yourself. Somehow in our mind... It seems in a church setting, well, I'll have pastor and elder pray for me and they'll lay hands on me and it, because that's the way it's done. God heals all the time. Jesus was never in a Pentecostal church with an organ behind him. He is out there on the seashore. He was at the field. He was just living life. So are you. So I tell you, the easiest way to learn to pray for the sick is pray for yourself. And watch the anointing presence of God in his word and in you bring healing to your body. And as you gain confidence in that, you'll start doing it with other people. And I'll also tell you, how do you know what to say when you're praying for people? You move, it says Jesus was moved seven times by compassion. Love moved him. If you're going to pray for someone or reach out to someone, have compassion on them. And you'll hear stuff going in your mind and in your heart what to say to them. It doesn't have to be chapter and verse. It doesn't have to be all churchy. It simply has to be moved by compassion that God wants you well. God's on your side. And I'll share one that happened this week. is the all-time funniest thing God's ever done to me in sharing. And he's done some buttes. Amen? The next one is in Luke 8, 48, is the woman with the issue of blood. And it's the same story in Mark 5. As Jesus says to Jairus, the ruler, I will go and heal her. I will lay hands on her. I'm going to the house. As he's going, this woman comes up behind him and touches, it says, the hem of his garment. Really what she's touching is the rabbi's shawl that has promises at the bottom of it. And each one of those tassels is a promise of God. And she knows that. She is a Jewish woman. She also knows who Jairus is. She lives there. She had wealth at one time because she spent all she had, yet grew worse with this disease. So she was not a newcomer from another town in there. People knew who she was and what she's going through for 12 years. And according to the Levitical law, she couldn't go out in public. They were afraid that what she has would go to someone else. If she went out in public, they would stone her to death rather than have it go on to anybody else. 
she decides, she says, she says inside herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. She says what she believes in her heart without a doubt. She then acts on it against all odds and the crowd. Because Jesus is going to say, who touched me? And Peter's going to say, what are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing, Lord, you see the throng, you see the people all bumping into you, and you say, who touched me? He said, no, someone touched me in faith. Virtue left me, power left me, and he knew it. And he turned around and he talked to the lady. And he says to her, I want to just say, Jesus said to her, your faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Now we would say, oh, I grew up Catholic. I don't know if anybody did, but they would say stuff like, the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you, it's, it's, you know, when you shake hands and stuff. So I hear the word peace in that setting. My mind goes back to my grade school days. Peace of the Lord with you and also with you. That's not what Jesus was doing here. Jesus said to her, your faith has made thee whole. And he used go in peace. The word peace means nothing broken, nothing missing. In other words, I did the complete job here. I did the complete job. Faith. Okay? He told Jairus, because they came to him, because they stalled it, if Jesus had just gotten there before my daughter died, but he stopped to talk to this woman with the issue of blood, we all know who she is. Can you just sense that, oh, this shouldn't have, oh. And Jesus tells him, fear not, believe only. And Jairus doesn't say a word. And I find it interesting because the time you get to the ruler's house, good house, very popular in the city, family has a lot of friends, they had already started the infamous kind of Jewish funeral with the wailing and the throwing of this dirt, it's already started. And Jesus gets there and he says, tells this crowd, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And they laugh him to scorn. Anybody ever been laughed at that bad? Wow. But they laughed at Jesus. You don't hear Jairus say a word. Only believe. Fear not. And Jesus raises her from the dead. There are two people who got raised from the dead in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, believers, Jesus and believers, seven got raised from the dead, a total of nine. They had a hard time with Lazarus because it was right at Passover. <laughs> Jews are from around the world. They want to see the dead guy walking. <laughs> Jesus just tears into religiosity and doubt and unbelief. He just does. Okay? Now I want to tell you this. When was the last time you had a miracle? What do you consider a miracle? What do you consider a miracle? From the littlest to the biggest. Oh, I want to see the Red Sea part. How about you just don't get the accident and you supernaturally stop? Angelic forces on your behalf making sure you don't get hurt. How many times? Miracles. I love the testimonies when I talk about the guy who pulled the knife on me, the gun on me, and the machetes on me. That's ooh, ah, great time, but there's also just the little things that you know that God heard you and he heard your prayer and your heart's desire. Okay, just wanna make sure you're all still with me because I'm gonna get in some very religious areas in just about four minutes. Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus goes up to a fig tree, wants to eat figs on it, 
and he had expectations he would find it. And there are no figs. And he says, no man eat food of you hereafter forever. Jesus, that tree better die. Because if it doesn't, Jesus' ministry, you don't have a big ministry cursing trees. They think you lost it. But in that it says you've got to believe without a doubt. How do you get doubt out? Put more of the word in. You chase doubt. How did, how did I change my... God was not concerned about Deborah's faith, or I'll put it this way. He only nailed me to the wall about me being the husband that he wanted me to be for her. I said, well, what Deborah, and Deborah, like Adam said, well, the woman you gave me, what, what, about, what does she have to do? He didn't talk to me about it. He talked about me and what I need to change. I had to get some doubt out. I had to get some world out. And I had to get a lot of God's word in. And the more I took that stuff out and put his word in, the more I started speaking and acting like that and blessing my wife. I can't tell you, we were in Graz, Austria, and a woman sitting next to us, we're just talking, having pizza after a meeting, and she goes, I can see how much you two desperately love each other. I wasn't trying to press her, it wasn't Valentine's Day or her birthday. We just talking, like we always talk. But we talk love. We talk covenant. That's just the base of where we go with it. Oh, amen. I'm having a good time. Words released. When Jesus spoke those words, he released faith for that tree not to bear fruit. He didn't tell the tree how it couldn't. He just released faith that it wouldn't. Okay? So oftentimes we want to tell God how to do his miracles. And oftentimes tell him, this is the timing that I want. Well, in a few minutes, I'll share the other one. He nailed the snot out of me on this one. Okay? Here you go. Faith will go into the roots if you don't get caught up in looking at the leaves. Let that one sit in you. Faith will go to the root of the problem if you quit looking at the leaves that the problem causes. I love that. Faith is a law, by the way. It doesn't change. Gravity is the law, and it doesn't change. Jump off the roof of our building. See if it doesn't work every time. No problem. Gravity is law. It is the law of faith that we preach, it says. It is the word of faith that we preach. It's not going to change. Here's what changes. The conditions that you speak the faith in change. And those conditions, as it says, are subject to change. Had a miracle happen in the hospital one Sunday morning. Don't know why. Uh, I don't know how hell could hurt more than what I hurt that morning. They brought in three doctors, two residents, and seven nurses. They gave me everything they legally could, and it didn't touch it. And I'm screaming and crying. This is before they took the leg. This is on the first operation to save the leg. I don't know why. I called Deborah, and I said, pray for me. I hurt so bad. That's about pretty much it, right? So she called a couple elders in the family, and they prayed for me. 
shortly, I don't have a time clock on it, shortly thereafter, it supernaturally left. And they all saw that it did. Nothing they gave me touched it. They're considering putting me back out in an anesthesia and doing morphine straight. That's the strongest they could give me. Later that night, they're doing my, they're doing my uh, vitals. and they, You don't sleep, you don't rest in the hospital. They wake you up every hour, hour and a half and mess with you. Okay, so I'm in there. And two of the nurses came in, and I just thought I'd take a shot. I said, what you saw today was a miracle. There's, you're medically trained. You know that nothing anybody did got that pain out of here. But when I called and my wife prayed, it left. What you witnessed today, which you'll never be able to deny, my Heavenly Father did a miracle by my wife's faith. And they, one of them was a Christian. She goes, you're right. The other one just said, wow. <laughs> but those two nurses will never forget that moment where this is what God did. You cannot explain it, but the conditions changed because faith entered into the equation. Are we doing good? It is a law. Now, here, ways to release your faith are through prayer, talking to God, Speaking to the mountain, as he says in Mark 11, 23, 24. And if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto the mountain. Now, we were in Israel. We saw the mountain he's talking about in Sea of Galilee. It's the top where the Golan Heights are that goes into Syria. We saw it. It's where the swine went off and fell in. The, we were there. You know what? You have to have corresponding actions. You pray, you speak to it, corresponding actions. Now remember, if you believe that I can put my hand, I'm Jim, Jim McGaffin, normal hand, and God will use that as a point of contact to release faith, and you can get healed, then you can use it to heal you. And you can use it to heal others. Any parent who sees their kid hurting, does, would t I would take every bit of that pain and sickness from that kid, I want it gone. Learn to use your faith so it does go. Now, in all of this, how many remember the stories where Jesus was tempted by the devil? And the devil, I mean, he's mentioned Satan and the devil. This is a new concept for the Jews. He's not mentioned to them other than the book of Job where Satan goes before. But as far as normal everyday Judaism he is a non-factor. They don't know a who, what? They don't know. They do know there are crazy people possessed like the madman of Gadarenes. But then they see Jesus casting out devils. Now it becomes the doctrine of the day. The scribes and Pharisees, you cast out devils by the king of devils. They wouldn't know the king if he, of devils if he walked in. Okay? But now here we go. Are you all still with me or did I lose you? Because now I'm going to touch sacred cows. I'm going to touch the religious fortified forts in your mind of how you see stuff. The enemy wants to stop you. If he can stop the word in you, he can stop the miracles through you. Okay? By the way, your, your tithing is just not honoring God. It's trusting God that he's the one who gives you everything you got. 
and by putting him first and honoring him, as it says to do in Proverbs and Malachi and everything, you are trusting him and you're saying, okay, as it's a although I, it seems like I give and I would have less, I gain more. The exchange is called faith. And there's more said about the exchange of faith on money in the Bible than even salvation. Why is that? Because people trust in money and they're scared they won't have it to exist. It is at the core of people's daily life. Oh, everybody quit their jobs. You don't need money. Just go to the store and get whatever you want. Free gas, free car washes, no problem. You all know what I'm talking about. Now the devil, let's just, I'm not going to call him Satan, I'm going to call him devil. Okay? The devil, in our way of thinking, oh, Rick Lowry's here. Rick waved everybody, would you? Cool. Rick, I didn't know that his wife could do this. She is a professional Christian clown. Her professional name is Ima Clown. So Ima's out working today. She's out blessing some kids. The first time we brought her in to do face painting and be a clown in our children's ministry at the big building, kids ran from her. They were scared of the clown. I grew up with Bozo the Clown. This is great. They didn't. And here's what I want to tell you of our culture and those that are 50 years old and younger. Because we now have special effects and can make about anything we want, we have made the devil out to be so big, so ugly, and so fearful that it has permeated into kids and their cartoons. Oh, the Avengers, the bad guys. Go to Halloween and see what they put on every advertisement for the movies and special movies of the week during Halloween, and how ugly and how mean and... I got news for you, the disciples who hadn't been to seminary once, they were tax collectors and fishermen. Jesus gave them his authority to cast out devils, and they only had trouble one time because they got an unbelief, and Jesus basically told them off for it. The demon threw a fit bigger than they'd seen, and so they, could, they, they tensed up, and Jesus just cast it out. He said, why are you so little faith? Because the devil threw a fit. But we are used to seeing Satan, and I want to make a statement to you. He is not stronger than you. At times he is smarter than you. Don't forget that. Oh, this big demon. It's going to say in the book of Revelations that when this is all over, is this the one that deceived the world? Oh, he's so big and so Is this? If he could have turned the thing over in heaven, he would have. But Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. That's pretty quick. You rebel, bam, it's over. Okay. I got 25 minutes to finish this. We're in Mark 11. We go to Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4 is the sower sows the word. Jesus said in verse 13, if you do not understand this parable, this teaching, you won't understand anything I teach. Now, oftentimes in his parables, he would say there was a farmer, there was this, this, like that. But only to his disciples did he sit down and say, this is what it means, guys, get a clue. He taught on faith all day long. They got in the boat, and they come, and the storm came, and they come. Don't you care that we perish? 
Jesus is not going to perish. But he just taught on faith, and those guys should have done something about it. So he rebukes the wind and the waves, it stops, and they go, what manner of man is this? And Jesus said, where's your faith? So there's a difference between hearing teaching and putting it in your heart and your head where it changes things. Okay? And so he does the sower sows the word. Four different kinds of ground. There's hard ground, which is a path. Anybody who's ever had a garden or you've seen the, the, the corn rows, there's a hard ground that they walk on detasseling. They don't plant on that. They plant on the soft ground, the good ground. There's the stony ground, okay? Because there's stones under there, you don't have any depth in yourself. So when persecution comes from the word, oh, you really believe that crap? You, I mean, you went to church and got that junk? Because you don't have any roots in yourself, no production of the word. No, the seed doesn't grow. Then there's where weeds. And this is the love of the world, lust for other things. Um, and I've watched Christians prefer to go back to the bars that didn't love Jesus. When they came to Jesus, they got miracles and things happened. Now that life is pretty good, I just think I'll go back. Anybody ever known some people like that? And I would go, the one that got you out of the mess, you're going to go back to the vomit? But it says a dog will, so why won't it? Moron, unbelieving idiot. I believe that is a Christian term that I just coined there. You got healed and you're going to go back? You renounce Jesus to become a Satanist? You don't believe there's a God? We had one of our people do that. Left church, renounced Jesus, next thing you know, he's a Satanist. What? What about the times I know of that you were physically healed and you gave testimony to the church for? What happened to you? Cares of this world, lust of other things, anything more than Jesus, come in and choke you out. Been there, done that. Agreed? If he can get the word, he can get your miracle. His goal, and I've seen it happen oftentimes, is when you have to, quote, quote, stand by faith, his code, that you never know when he's going to get around to healing you. You don't know how long, but you're going to have to stand in faith. You have to stand in faith, but it's the difference between I'm standing and I hear I'm standing waiting for the manifestation. No, the terminology is stand in faith. Faith believes and speaks. You can stand in the barn all day long. It's not going to make you a cow. I'm standing there. You'll smell like the manure that's there, but it doesn't change anything. Are we still okay with me? Okay. He wants to tire you out so you won't pray. If you can tire you out where you won't spend a little time with him, which refreshes you, you won't pray. That's why we're doing the Promise 22 for this year. Promise 22 is give me 22 minutes a day. Don't give it to me, give it to God. But I want you to read a, the proverb of the day. Today is the 27th. It's really good. There's one for every day of the month. I want you to read one of the chapters in the epistles, not so much the gospel, the epistles. The epistles show you who you are in Jesus, and we need more of that in all believers' life. Okay, I need to know more who I am in him. Okay, then I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit for 15 minutes, because when it says you do that, you talk to God and not to man. It says you build yourself on your whole, holy faith. Well, I have to stand, I'm so exhausted. Why don't you get stronger by praying in the Spirit? It tells it right there in Jude, verse 20. You'll get stronger. You'll be intimate. Nobody in the world nor the devil knows what you're saying when you're praying in the Spirit. That's between you and God. And it says you're praying mysteries. It's mysteries now, but I need understanding. Help me, Lord. 
But if I don't enter in, I'm not going to get it. Thank you so much. That's good preaching. Okay? The pressure of life is against your faith. Life is filled with lies. Have we been lied to with this COVID thing? How many times that any child can know how many times? It's for and against it. You know we've been lied to over and over again. Well, it says Satan is the father of all lies. Now, I'm the father of my kids. They belong to me. Well, the lies belong to him. Secondly, doubt. If the life can get you to doubt that God will and can. Most of the time you believe God can because you've seen movies and stuff and there, there is a miracle. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Across the Red Sea. And all we saw it and feel we, we, we believe that it can be done. But the question is, will he do it for me? Will he do it for me? Three times during this seven-month period, my life was on the line, and he did it for me. And he did it for me when I was all by myself and everybody else there, and doubt wants to come in and truckloads and dump on you. Amen? There you go. And the last one is fear. When you are afraid of something, you draw it to you like a magnet. Animals can tell when you're afraid. Bullies can tell when you're afraid. You have to face your fear with faith, God's word. Face the fear with God's word. No, my God said this. No, I ain't having that. Don't tell me little James, my, grand, my, my grandson who got run over by a car in Louisville, Nebraska. And on the way back in the helicopter, they say he's dead. And we got there, his dad and I, to Creighton University's heliport area, they gave us literature on funerals for children. No, no, no. James come off in the gurney, blood's everywhere, get inside, he's out of the hospital in less than three days, healed. No, I'm not having that. I'm not, I'm not going to get afraid. If I had gotten in fear, he'd be in heaven. Now I'm going to give you, because I'm now stuck with time factor, I want you to hear some things, and these are all about the devil, the enemy who does not want you to succeed. By the way, when you succeed, you'll tell someone. If you won the lottery, wouldn't you tell somebody? If you got supernaturally healed, wouldn't you tell somebody? You bet. Well, testimonies, it says in Revelations, that you overcome the enemy by the word, blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus' life and sacrifice, and the word of your testimony, not repeating mine. You're supposed to have testimonies in your life. Amen. I'm having fun. John 10, 10 says this. The thief, the devil, comes to rob, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Here's the aisle line. Killing, robbing, and destroying is the thief, the devil, over here. Life and life like I know it, heavenly life, is over here. Whatever comes your way, you can draw the line right down there. If it has to do with that, God's not using that to teach you. He said the Holy Spirit, John and Luke, will be your teacher. Not bad things and not the devil. He doesn't need the devil to teach you. He has the Holy Spirit to teach you and bring all that God said back to your remembrance. Are you with me? So, so in everything, because the world doesn't do that. Some family doesn't do that. They just, oh, you know, God's, no, he's not. He's not using sickness here. You losing your job, this is not God. God getting you a better job is God. 
But draw the line. Killing, robbing, and destroying. Period. Number two. I better turn to this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I've studied this so much and prayed so much on this. I'm quoting most everything. <laughs> chapter 2, uh, verses 10 and 11. To whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For I forgave, for I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes. Forgive, it, forgive I it in the person of Christ. Paul's teaching them, forgive, and you forgive in Jesus' name. You, if you don't forgive, and your forgiveness needs to be fresh every day, because if you see the person you thought you forgave and you act wrong, it has come back to you. It will attract to you like a bad smell or a fart. You know what I mean? You just Where would that come from? It just shows up. Okay? That's not King James. I understand that. Okay, if you're not going to forgive, it says in verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage on us, we're not ignorant or stupid of his devices. For the believer to learn to love the people that hurt you the most, took advantage of you the most, and are the most unlovable people in the world, you get to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and say, love does this, 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 this. It's a command that we love one another. It was not a suggestion. It is a command. And in so doing, you will choose each one of those points. You choose to be a bad person, and your mouth, I just couldn't help myself. I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. Yes, you could. If I put a gun to your face, you'd shut up. It's just if you think you can get away with it, and you've had it with them. I had to give them a piece of your mind. You might not have much mind left by how many pieces you've given out in your lifetime. You could be really short. Now, we're talking about not being in church. We're talking out there where you're the light of the world in a dark world. See, so Satan has an advantage if we walk in, unfor or if we walk in uh, unforgiveness, and it says we're not supposed to be ignorant of that. That's the easiest trick you're starting off really good, and you get in that, and it's like a trap was set for you. You just put your head in the noose. Okay, I'm having a good. It takes crazy love to walk in crazy faith. Because faith works by love. If you're going to forgive, you're going to have to do the crazy love stuff. It doesn't matter what they do. It matters what you do. Okay? In Ephesians 6.10, it says, put on the whole armor. A whole armor of God, the helmet, the shield, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying. You're supposed to use it. It doesn't do any good in the sheath on the side if you don't pull it out and use it. When the guy's swinging a sword in the sword fight, he says, well, I have a sword right here. I got one in the car and one in my dresser at home. It's right here. It's not going to do you any good in the fight. You've got to pull it out and use it. And what's in here in abundance comes out of your mouth. Okay. It says, so that you can stand against all the wiles, the trickery of the enemy. I put this armor on, righteousness of God by Christ Jesus, helmet of salvation and hope, feet shod with the gospel, to live this life, because I'm not going to let the wiles of the enemy steal from me. I'm preaching some... Okay, this is one. Oh, we're, I'm still 2 Corinthians 12. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm making this as 
daily, we're just, I'm just the same as you, you're the same as me. This is the way we live and this is what we have to face. And it's not churchy, it's how Jesus lives. Okay? This is how Paul lived. For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, or chapter 10, I'm sorry. Well, let's see, did I get it right? 12.7 is right. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He's saying there was a messenger sent of Satan to go with him everywhere he goes. And everywhere Paul went, this demon stirred up trouble with the Judaizers, with weather, with everything there was. He's whipped on his back, feet his bones and his feet were broken how many times? And he couldn't stop them. They stoned him to death, and he got up, and he went back to the town where those guys came from who got him in trouble. He was preaching resurrection of the dead, and they said, we don't believe it, and they stoned him with this false doctrine, and they kill him, and he comes back, and he says, guys, I'm back. I guess this resurrection thing works. It starts a large church there. That's guts. That, that's, okay, he knows he has an enemy, he said, I sought the Lord three times to get rid of it. Lord, get this demon off my life, out of my way. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, grace is another word that Christians don't pay much attention to the way they should. Grace is the authority and power to use God's word. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But he gave it to me in my life. Unmerited favor. So he's saying, Paul, you're teaching this around the world. This is your message of grace. Why don't you do what you've been teaching? I think that's sort of a little slap in the face. Why don't you do what you've been preaching, big boy? He says later on, I've been delivered of all these things. I guess it didn't bother him anymore. The snake jumps out of the fire and bites him. He just tosses it off. Then heals the sick on the island. Hello? Anybody getting anything out of this? Okay, I'm going to hit you with a tough one. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. You will determine whether you are wounded in life or scarred. The difference. I have a knee replacement here, and there's a scar that goes up here. The wound would still be open and oozing. You will determine... In doubt, fear, and unbelief, in offenses and unforgiveness, whether you are wounded, I've got a wounded spirit. You're saying that your spirit's open up and still hurting rather than I have a healed one and it's scarred over and we're good to go. Okay? I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, let's go. I'll do the other ones. Second Corinthians 10, 5 simply says this, walk in the spirit, not the flesh. That's why you come on Wednesday night. It is an in-depth Bible study to learn how to walk and, if you will, have the friend who the Holy Spirit is to your life be part of your daily life. And most people just expect a church service. Oh, I felt the anointing. You're supposed to be with him all day long. That's how you pray continually without ceasing is because he's there all day long. Okay. So it says, it says, when you do that walk in the Spirit, you cast down imaginations. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Faith and doubt 
can have elements of imagination to it. I can imagine praying for the sick and seeing them raised off that. I've prayed for countless diseases and seen them get healed and watch stuff in my imagination. But I've also imagined some crappy things. I know I'm the only one in here that would ever imagine a negative thing, a doubtful thing, a hurtful thing. No, you guys wouldn't. Just me. You choose what you imagine. God gave you the imagination. You can use it one way or the other. Isaiah 61. I hope you're getting something out of this today. Verse 7, Isaiah 61, verse 7. For your shame, you shall have double. For your confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land that you possess, the double everlasting joy unto them. God's not interested in you just getting through it. He wants you to get through it victoriously, and he'll give you double. He'll add on to it. He'll bless you. He'll help you. Oh, I just got through that. No, 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 no. More's coming. More's coming. More's coming. You believe that? Yeah. If you catch a thief, it says he has to repay seven times. I've caught the thief from John 10, 10. How many times? He owes me big time. You really believe that? That's what the word says. That's what my father, that's what I told Zion. I will never fail you, Zion. Come on. I will never fail you, Jim. Come on. Anyone in here, I just hear, well, you don't have half of your leg. Watch me. Particularly come Easter Sunday morning with the new leg, I will walk in on my own with no crutch. Really? Yeah, I will. Oh, I don't know if you can be that sure. I am. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The person who gave me faith to begin with is Jesus. I'm told to look unto him, the author and perfecter, maturer of my faith. When I go through stuff, I'm supposed to look to him. Not take it out on other people, not feel sorry for myself. I'm supposed to look to him. Why? Because it says in there that you are to lay aside every weight that so easily besets you. Well, I just, I just have a that just That's my touchy area. Get over it in the word of God. I'm not saying deny it. Get over it with God's word. Get over it with God's word. Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, Jesus went around doing good and healing all oppressed of the devil. We're supposed to be just like him because he says in Mark 16, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick. He's telling the disciples, and it just wasn't the apostles, that was a throng. In other words, it was the everybody's, the whosoever's, Go out in the world, preach the gospel. Well, I'm not called to the missions. That's not what it says in the Greek. Go out into the world where you live. For those months, I lived in rehab and hospitals. That was the world where I lived. So I'm going to have fun. I'm going to witness my brains out. Now, I've got four or five minutes. Are you all good with me? 
I'm going to tell you what God took me through. He has a math. He gave you your sense of humor. He's got a butte. Okay, Lord, anytime, anywhere, I'll use this for you. Last Monday was it Monday? I wore the leg from the house, from the kitchen, down through the three steps that are difficult, and I mastered them. I, I thought it through how many times. I saw myself doing it. I said it, and I had corresponding actions to do it. And I got down. I got in the car virtually by myself. Deborah took me to physical therapy. Got out of the car again by myself. Got in the chair. Load up in the chair. Get your little sign. I'm supposed to be there. You go. And... Uh, They, everybody has things called hip flexors and muscles in their hips that they don't even think about. But when you don't use them, or all of a sudden now you have to use them strongly, you notice they're there because they hurt when you're exercising. Okay, so I was taken to stand-up parallel bars that are about 25 feet long and worked on hip flexor moves and weight shifting. Then came down there, and it was Travis with me that time. Well, Travis brought me a four-prong cane. Four-prong at the bottom. And we, we went through the progression. Do one, two, three, four. This is what you do every time. I'm standing there with the cane. And they take the cane. And they, they tell you you can take the cane and move your right leg. That's where you learn. I, I, what did that last? About five feet? No, the stride will be, I move the cane and the leg at the same time and have confidence that I put weight on the leg and bring this leg back up. They hoped I'd be able to do 300 feet down the hallway. Try 420. Got done. Kept the leg on, didn't take it off this time. Went out to the car, got in the car, again with the leg. Went into Village Point, parked the car in a handicapped spot, got out of the car, got in the chair, and went to a restaurant for lunch. That's without pants. I had shorts on, so any, well, I wasn't nude, okay. <laughs> but I got shorts on, and anybody can see the mechanical whatever, because I'm not gonna be embarrassed. I'm not gonna be ashamed. I'm gonna stand up big, and if somebody wants to give me crap, and they will, I'm going to tell them how good my God is. I'm already loaded, ready to go. So we go in. We went to 402. Uh, if you know where the ice cream place is, it's on the other side of the street. And uh, sat at our table off to the side. Uh, they have two rooms. We're on the, the smaller side one. And having a great time. We're just about done having lunch. There's the leg. Just having a good time. And we get a phone call from two of the most important people in our life. It is our grandson, Xavier, in El Paso, Texas. He wants to talk to Grandma. Now, Xavier will be a two or three minutes one or an hour and a half. It's one or the other. Just depends what he's involved in. And so it going in, I thought we were going to go home. I got to pee. And I realized, you know, I have a pee cup in the car, but I'm not going to make it to the car. 
when you have a serious need to pee. None of you have ever had that come on you ever in your life. So again, I'm giving you first. I wheeled out and told Deborah, I'll do it myself. I'll be back. And I wheeled through the tables. And I went into the bathroom by myself. They have three stand-ups, one large sit-down that's handicapped, but if you have to sit down, that's the only one there is. I go in there, close the door. Get myself positioned. They got the handles positioned just perfectly for me. I stand up, and I am doing my business. In the middle of my business, the door opens. I could hear it, and somebody come in. I didn't hear him go out. I didn't hear him wash his hands. How many know that not every guy washes his hands when he's been to the bathroom? I'm sure every woman does. Anyhow, not in Iowa, okay, anyhow. <laughs> that's my one shot at Howard today, okay, give me a break. Nancy, I'm sorry, I give Howard a hard time. I open up the door and I start wheeling out. And understand, this leg is lifting up the heel of that leg, because I don't have one of those leg things on it. It's just a pain in the wazoo to even try to deal with, so I don't. So I come out, and right where Michael Landauer is, that, that close, there's the guy who is waiting to use the stall in a wheelchair. If anybody remembers Gunsmoke and they start the, the, the show at a duel in the street with their guns, this guy thought somebody who didn't deserve to be there was using his toilet, and he needed to be there. And he's about 35, and he's muscular built. He, he lifts weights while he's in this chair. The guy is, guy's where I want to go as far as get some more strength. But there he is, and there I am, and we're like, dun, 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 dun. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and... Are we going to say anything because of the unwritten rule in the men's room? Guys, don't talk to one another, particularly strangers. You just don't do that. He looked at me and says, oh, I, uh, back. How long have you been like that? I said, since September. They cut it off and took it. He goes, I've been this way all my life, like he wants a, a badge of courage or something. He said, well, it's just our lot in life. I said, no, it's not. Here comes the witness. He said, it's not my lot in life. God didn't do this to me. I have an enemy that wants me dead, wants me to shut up in my life and take me from my family, and I'm not putting up with it. My God is the one that's encouraging me and strengthening me and getting me through this, and that's the one I serve. Yeah. And he goes, that is awesome. That is a good thought. And so he, we pass each other, wash my hands, <laughs> and go out. Now, they have a door that says men's room and women's room. Then in there is just that little four-year, little eight-foot thing by four foot. And before I go out where the crowd is, I'm laughing to myself. Only God would do this to me. I'm in a wheelchair going to the bathroom to pee, and he brings another guy in a wheelchair in for me to witness to. I'm going, only God would set me up like that. I've been in strange positions before, but we're in the bathroom. And now we're going to talk about Jesus while we're both in our wheelchairs. <laughs> I just cracked up. I was losing it. Lord, anytime, anywhere, 
I use whatever I'm going through to your glory. Because I'm going to win. I'm going to win every time. So when we left the restaurant, he and his wife, this is one we go to after therapy on Mondays. They're sitting at the table we usually sit at. So as we're going through and the, the panels around going out the door, glass, did he give the thumb up or the wave? One of us gave a thumb up, the other one gave a wave, and I said, see you next week, same time. <laughs> Guys don't talk in the bathroom. I'm in the first time with the leg. I'm getting out, and he gives me another kind of wheelchair to talk to, talk to him about Jesus. <laughs> I just think that's great. Because I know in Jeremiah, in my last two scriptures, Jeremiah says, God says about it, I know the thoughts I think about you, Jim, for good. I know I have thoughts towards you, Jim, and they're good. Some of you are balking at that one. I'm close enough. Uh, Jeremiah, I'm 29. I don't think God's mad at me. I don't think he wants to hurt me. I think he wants to help me. And the more miracles go on in my life, the more people I reach. Let's do this. Well, you should feel sorry for yourself. No, I don't. Don't feel sorry for me. Pray for me that I'm more effective and I get the most out of every opportunity. Because that's what I pray about. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected prosperous end. God thinks about me. We have these pictures that go around and around and never stop. In our, okay, Deborah got one for me for, uh, in the hospital, and then we have one on our dresser. And in there is my family. I see Oli and Carol. I see Mercedes' wedding. I see the little nerds, the, the, the boys, the little guys. I see them swimming, I see them at the wedding. See us in Cancun. I look at my family all the time. I have thoughts towards them that are good, that I want to see God's best happen in their life, and they fulfill the destiny that they were birthed to have. Well, aren't you going to retire, Jim? No, I'm refiring. I'm not retiring. I'm refiring. I got plenty to do, don't you? Now, I close with this scripture and story. Rocky Five. He was coaching Tommy Morrison, Tommy Gunn, and Tommy deserts him, and they end up in, in Rocky's bar going out on the streets having a fight. Because Tommy wants to prove he could take Rocky and, you know, whatever. So they're, they're going through it, and it's even for a bit, and then it looks like Rocky is getting beat, and he's down in the street, wet street, face first, struggling to get up. And Tommy is, yeah, I did it, I did it. He's going back to, to the car to leave. And Rocky gets up and goes, yo, Tommy, I didn't hear no bell. One more round. And you hear the Rocky music. Dun, 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 and Rocky wins. I'm not done, neither are you. I don't care your age. If you're just starting at 12, 13, if you're seven years old, Mercedes got people healed. She doesn't hesitate to pray. It's her first nature to pray. You've got to teach people to worry, to be afraid. I got one more round. Let's do this. Let's do this.
Because 1 John 5, 4 says this, This is the victory that overcomes the world in Omaha, even our faith, our believing in faith. You want crazy faith? I'm giving you weapons, things to chew on. If I made you mad today, I tried. Because I want to take that picture of how bad the devil is out of your mind and understanding and let you know he's not stronger than you. He's not. He couldn't hold Jesus back from the grave. He can't hold you back. Can't. It says the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. Do you believe what it says? Then you overload on it and believe it and act like it. Not showy, not braggadocious, not being prideful. Just go around doing good and healing all oppressed of the devil. Random acts of kindness. Just be nice. Just be nice. One of the things I thought I was good, I think I'm a lot better, but I thought I was really good through this time is my wife has had to serve me in a totally different way. After 45 years of marriage, things changed. And she does all kinds of little things for me. And you should say thank you for every one of them. And you should say thank, please for everyone, because she doesn't have to do that. I've dealt with people, families, and been in situations where the family has just walked away. She's upped her game to love me. And I want up my game to love her. Simple. Doesn't matter what they do, folks. It matters what you do, what you say and what you do. And that's called faith. And again, you're looking at a guy with, in a wheelchair with half a leg, and my hair is growing back. It's fuzzy. It's growing back. Deborah saw one long hair. She said, could I cut it? And I said, sure, because it's bugging her. You can see it in the mirror. She cut it, and I said, this is technically a haircut because it's only one hair. My point is, I got to live life every day. So do you. Every day. There are days that you laugh and days that you say, okay, Lord, here we go. One more round. Get up. Get up. I love what it said with Paul when they stoned him. Two words, or three words, he got up. Didn't say there's a prayer vigil for him with music behind him or anything. It just says they left him dead. They stoned him in his head with not pebbles, rocks. And they left him dead. His men came to get the body. It says he got up. So I'm telling each one of you, for yourself, for a vision for you and who you are, get up. If you are married, for your spouse, get up. And I got that thing rolling, so I got my family there. I got my family. They'll all finish their life. Oh, by the way, this summer, Xavier and Zion got filled with the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. They're 12 and 13. Wow. Well, James beat him. He was four or five when it happened to him. Seven, seven. He was crossing down the stairs. I was going up the stairs. What are you doing? He goes, I'm talking in tongues. I didn't know he could. So every believer in here, give me the promise 22. The chapter of the day. Go, I encourage you to start in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Ephesians. Those are just filled with who you are in Christ. And then pray in the Spirit. That's why I can't pray in the Spirit. Come to my class. We'll get you filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you'll pray. Yeah, you'll pray. It's not anything ooh, goofy. 
It's something God gave us to equip us to live the life supernaturally now. If he wants me to do miracles now, he gives you three gifts of the Spirit to think like he does, three that I can talk like he does, and three that I can act like he does. Faith, healing, and miracles. Here we go. Uh, so let's double the size of this church in the next three months. How do you do it? You invite people. What if they say no? They're not coming already. Don't worry about it. But be nice. Say, I'll buy you lunch. Everybody likes a free lunch. And for any of those, we've got Chick-fil-A for you. My point is just be nice and invite people, but they'll get excited when they see what God's doing in your life. And that's your testimony. That is your testimony, and you all got one. Now, I've gone eight minutes longer than the quote-unquote allotted time. We have two things that I want to say and one that we need to do. So I am done as far as the teaching. Did you enjoy it today? And, and I am trying with everything I've got to make it as plain Jane simple, easy to understand and get the religion thoughts out of there so it's just the entrance of his word brings light. I learned how to love my wife. That, that testimony took 15 years. Her dad put a gun in my face and told me to get off the property. Did not want me to marry her. I wasn't allowed on the property for six months. Later in the driveway at his second house, they had, he said, I want to talk to you. What is it? He said, shut up. I want to talk to you. That means he's going to talk to me. I don't get to talk. I know him well enough. He's got something on his mind. He goes, I want to tell you something. Okay, what is, I said shut up. Let me tell it to you. Okay. I was wrong about you. This man, in all that I knew him for 40 plus years, never said he was wrong. Ever. Even if he knew he was wrong, he was right. Okay? And I'm standing there in the driveway with him. I said, I'm going, what? He said, shut up. I just want you to know I was wrong about you. You've treated my daughter like a queen. And he walked back in the house and left me on the driveway. And that story is from him putting a gun in my face and not wanting to have, he didn't pay for the wedding. We believe God for the money to pay for the wedding. He didn't pay for it. We did. From there to that, for him to say that, you, every day you have a testimony that speaks into the lives of people. You might be a seed, you might water, you might get to harvest, but your life is a seed, faith, life that gets you there. Now here's my story because my wife looked at her watch. I am now 10 minutes over. Do you mind? One, I've told you about Mercedes, that she's on bed rest. She's not dogging us. She's not staying away. We have people who are Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.